Welcome to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show Podcast, a program all about caring for your animal companions. Now, here's our hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself is back in the building. Welcome, Rick Pruce. Hey, Lee. How you doing? It's been a little while. I'm doing great. And how are you doing? Is I'm doing good. The question that everyone has been asking about <laughs> and worried about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I guess a small amount of concern. Uh, had some health problems. Uh a uh, little detour, had a kind of a, a surgery that I'd been waiting for for some time to to be accomplished, and everything went well, except for it didn't go well afterwards. So uh, long story short, a uh, uh, couple weeks in the hospital, and now I'm back to normal. So uh, things didn't go as well as planned, but things got turned around, and hey, now I'm healthy, and sorry to take a segue away from, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't mean to not be here oh that's but, okay uh, but but i'm back well I so, think, and i'm back 100 percent. so well i think a couple of weeks of hospital food might be the reason <laughs> i didn't lose us. i lose i lost five pounds so maybe eight pounds i don't know well i'm just wondering if that's what brought on yeah. the topic of raw food yeah, <laughs> yeah. whatever it takes to get back to good health i guess let's eat it so uh, and on that note uh that's a good thing about this week is uh you know we're we're at the crossroads uh, here on the radio show. We've been doing this for over 10 years. Uh, you know, at the store, you know, I'm at the crossroads regularly. And uh, you, you keep your ear open, you know, what's what's a good food to, to feed. And, right. you know, there's always the AFCO, you know, has this fee, feed met the requirements that an animal needs. Right. And I think it's worth <clears throat> noting that that's really, really important. Oh, no question. But... There's always these intangibles, you know, and these kind of like, man, you should try this. And wow, did it make a difference. And if I had only known, and it always seems to center around oftentimes uh, foods like the raw food sector of our food diet uh, in the store. There's some pretty committed people to feeding at least by percentage some raw food. And there seems to be more and more evidence that it has its merits, it has its place, and it might be answering some of those questions between the lines, you know, that you, you, yes, your kibble is good, and there are great kibbles out there, and they do a great job, and there's a lot of healthy dogs for it, but there seems to be more and more evidence, as well as a passion that goes along with it, that, uh, there is a place in the marketplace for raw food. Well, this is a topic, Rick, that we have not shied away from. As you know, we've covered this many times over the years, and uh, we were very early on in this. And truth is, I remember that we would have conversations about raw foods, and we would get feedback from some people that were highly dubious of the whole thing. And then we had other people that were highly supportive of the whole thing and we we talked about both and 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 here's the one thing that i i keep perspective looking back the last 15 years the number of times a particular pet food has had issues with recalls right and it's not 
just directed towards raw foods or anything. Oftentimes, it's a kibble brand. Right. Uh, all the reasons why it should never happen, and it's it been recalled. Right. So um, we've been connected with Instinct for quite a few years now. Just got a larger freezer space, double capacity. Right. Uh, because it's just moving through like... Well, like dog food. Yeah. So um, it's a new category, a new choice, a new opportunity. And if you haven't tried raw foods, uh, come in and talk to our associates because they are knowledgeable, they are trained, and they are trained by the very person that's going to be coming on our show well, next section. Yeah, no, it's it's a big growth area for a lot of people in the pet supply business. They'll tell you that more and more people want raw foods. And so there's just no question about it. And we'll talk today with Mitch Chesko, who is with Instinct Pet Foods. He is the territory sales manager, and he'll share with us all the reasons why you might want to consider it first as a percentage and maybe over time as the solution for your pet's foods. I just know that if it keeps my dog away from my plate when I'm eating, I'll be happy. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show here on 1320 WILS. At Doggy Daycare and Spa, we love dogs. We love hanging out with dogs, grooming dogs, and kissing dogs goodnight. 20 years ago, we introduced Mid-Michigan to Doggy Daycare. We've built two custom facilities and provided countless clients and their dogs with the very best in cageless daycare, boarding, and grooming services. Stop in for a tour at either one of our convenient locations in Delta Township on Mount Hope Highway or on the corner of Grand River and Cornell and Okemos. Give us a call at 333-WOOF. That's 333-9663 and let us love your dog. Doggy Daycare and Spa, where the hip hounds hang out. At Liberty Coins in Frandor, happy customer stories happen almost every day. In June, a woman came in to purchase some silver. She said she had inherited a gallon-sized bag of jewelry from her mother several years ago. It was lying in a drawer at home because she thought they were all costume pieces. The employee suggested she bring in the bag to get it checked out, which she did the next day. The customer guessed she might receive $500. Instead, she was stunned when Liberty paid her more than $17,000. What hidden treasures might you have? Pick up a free copy of our Cash in Your Treasures brochure in our store or view it online at libertycoinservice.com. For 50 years, Liberty Coins and Frandor has been the right place to go. I'm Tom Colson reminding you to put cash in your pocket today. We're Liberty Coins, we're right on the money. Hey, hey, mama said the way you move, gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we have with us on the line a first-time guest. His name is Mitch Seska. He is with Instinct Pet Foods, which used to be known as Nature's Variety, and he is their territory sales manager. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Thank you, thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me on today. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure. Mitch, there's so much that people don't completely understand. If I mention uh, dog food or cat food to them, it makes their heads occasionally swim because of the variety of choices that are out there. Can you share a little bit about Instinct Brands and what makes you particular toward them besides the fact that you work there? Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you. 
Yes, this is a, a great question. I'll just kind of briefly cover kind of instinct and who we are as a company and kind of where we started in our roots. So uh, opposed to kind of uh, traditional companies that get their start and kind of focus on the kibble industry and category, us as instinct, we're really known as the raw brand. And, and where we started actually was truly feeding raw diets. And we were feeding the raw diets actually to large cats at a zoo. And so the way Instinct got its, you know, creation was feeding these big cats. And when I mean big cats, I'm talking, you know, lions, tigers, and cheetahs, a healthier alternative diet. And so if you can imagine, there's a zoo in the Lincoln area called the Henry Dorley Zoo. And this zoo has several big cats that were having issues surrounding their health. And what I mean issues, it was nothing major, but they were just these big lions and tigers that were having, you know, lethargy and skin and coat issues and reproduction issues. And they're having these issues ongoing for some time. And so Bob Milligan, the founder of my company, was working with conjunction of the zoo on these different meat grinds. And through trial and error, they developed some really beneficial meat grinds for the animals. And over time, saw a lot of these health issues that these animals were experiencing get dramatically alleviated. So, what, so that's what, where Instinct got its foundation, was actually feeding these large cats these raw diets and seeing the benefits. And that's where Bob Milligan, the founder of our company, knew there was something to feeding a more conventional, healthier diet. So prior to that, what was normal in feeding these large cats? Would it just be... Would it, were there things like a kibble for them, or was it just uh, different raw foods, but they hadn't really formulated it to the ideal perfection of what the the feline or canine It ate? was actually a bit of a combination. Um, it was some of both, but really at the end of the day, uh, it was not a sustainable diet. They were trying all sorts of things, and okay. once we kind of got them to a true, more traditional raw diet, they really saw the benefit there. So it was through trial and error, and they did definitely have quite a wide variety. And so some of it was kind of more of a kibble, and then some of it was more of a traditional raw as well, but not like more of a homemade raw opposed to, uh, you know, someone with a true science looking at it. So give us, give us a little bit about your founder and how, how he was able to plug into that. Uh, what, what was it that either his skill set or power observation, or how did how did he get involved in you know, kind of reformulating the the wildcat yeah, uh, diet? That's a great question. So Bob Milligan was a meat grinder and a farmer back in that area who was working on these grinds for quite some time, and it definitely was part of the, the trial. And he was working with some of the nutritionists at the zoo as well to yeah. work with these formulas. So he was kind of someone who's been working on these for quite some time and was using the help of the scientists and nutritionists at the zoo. So it was a combination of them that really worked on these blends and, and crafted them to come to fruition. So how did he uh, take the giant leap, if you will, to uh, domestic cats and dogs? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is quite a change, um, obviously, going from these large cats. But at the end of the day, you know, they are related and they are carnivores. And so you could imagine with uh, looking at, the benefits of these giant cats and, and seeing the benefit, you know, Bob from there really wanted to be able to take this to the commercial pet food world. And so he started uh, using different consultants, such as Dr. Susan Wynn, who's a certified vet nutritionist, who's actually fully on our board today, and other consultants to create a recipe that would be safe and promising and very beneficial for the commercial pet food world, which launched back in 2002. Now, I know enough about this industry that there's always been a, a substantial uh, 
a tailwind, um, a, a lot of resistance and concern and uh, caution and uh, flags up and what are you doing and how can you do that in the way of selling raw foods? It certainly bucks the system, uh, and it's a huge system with lots of kibbles. Um, how how now, now I would have to say, at least people coming in the store, um, there's a reasonably high, far higher than it was even five years ago, receptivity to raw diets. You know, from uh, Bob's perspective, from your perspective, what have you watched in the march through to get to the point where we're at? What are some of the concerns and cautions that were like flagged out? And how have we like to put down those flags? Absolutely. Um, I think that's a great question and it's a very true question. And I would say, you know, kibble is really the traditional way to feed animals today. And when it comes to kibble, the recommendations often come from the vet community. And when you think about kind of the vet community, there's quite a few of them. And and really, most of them are getting their schooling and information at several universities across the United States, some fantastic universities. But at the end of the day, during their nutrition courses that they take during their studying, they are typically funded or sponsored by major brands. And these major brands are huge companies that have their hand kind of in the vet community as well. And and those brands happen to be owned by some of the biggest companies in the world, such as Mars and Nestle. And so when it comes to people looking for, you know, questions about their dog or cat's diet or issues that they're having, a lot of the time the vet community will recommend the brands that they're familiar with from school. Yeah. That being said, you need to consider, you know, look at, for example, the human world versus the pet world. There's so many specialized doctors today in the human world. And if you're having an issue with, you know, your feeding or, or your diet, you might go see a general doctor, but you might, instead of seeing a general doctor, maybe go see a specialist like a nutritionist or, you know, someone who's looking at allergies specifically, where when you think of the pet world, there's not as many specialized doctors. And so you see often just a general vet practitioner that is very knowledgeable on animal health. But when it comes to the nutrition side of things, as I mentioned, they're not a all seeing professional in that category. I would look to a certified vet nutritionist who went through the whole vet schooling and also spent an additional several years studying just the nutrition cycle of animals and the GI tracts. I think they are a better indicator of really what comes to a great diet versus not so great diet. And so I think that's part of it there with the whole vet community. But I think most importantly, looking at the raw research available today, uh, there's a university in Finland, actually. And if you are on a computer or smartphone and you search kind of raw research or anything surrounding raw pet food and research, University of Helsinki in Finland would be what populates towards the top of that Google search page. And the reason why is they are kind of the charger of the industry looking at all the research and have done quite some studies on animals. And one of these studies is called the dog risk study, actually. That looked at 16,000 dogs of all breeds and all life stages feeding different increments of raw pet food versus traditional kibble. And when you look at a university that is spending 10 years in feeding 16,000 dogs different increments of raw pet food, I think that's a great look at, you know, what is the cutting edge, what's coming out of the research and studies. And they actually have two peer-reviewed published papers out today that look at 
animals and specifically mother dogs that are pregnant and the puppies that are young that are eating 20% raw or more in their diet, they're really seeing more than just the physical benefits of raw, but medical uh, benefits as well. And what I mean by that, the two peer-reviewed published papers out today have strong indications saying 20% raw in an animal's diet in the early stages reduces their chance of getting environmental allergies, such as atopy, and irritable bowel syndrome. And so this is true peer-reviewed published research that is starting to really test the whole theory of why raw is better. And like I said, you know, uh, this university is continuing to develop more and more research. And so it's really exciting what this university is doing, which is kind of breaking down some of the barriers of, of getting uh, people to feed more of a traditional paleolithic raw diet versus a kibble. Well, Mitch, it, it sort of makes sense that Finland would be doing it, go to the Arctic Circle in order to find a place where raw food would go over better. Uh, I, that makes perfect sense to me. Now, explain to me, if you wouldn't, please forgive my ignorance, but why is it that raw food is better for the animals? I mean, or is it not better for the animals? Uh, I mean, what is your perspective on that? So when it comes to raw, I mean, I think it is better overall. But ultimately what makes it better is, is three main things. Raw is never cooked. So if you think about dogs and cats in the wild and how they ate and hunted before we domesticated them, they weren't eating a, a cooked diet and they weren't eating you know, corn and certain things that most kibble companies will put into the kibble. You got to think about what they ate in their natural state. You know, they were catching that rabbit and eating the total of that rabbit, you know, everything included in that stomach, you might get some fruits and vegetables and things like that. And that's primarily where, you know, the dogs and cats were getting the fruits and vegetables. And so, you know, a cat being a true carnivore, you know, they don't need these grains and some of these fillers that the kibble companies are putting in. So I think that's ultimately what it comes to. But like I said, you're feeding something closer to what they were meant to eat and what they're wildly eating. But beyond just, it's never cooked. You got to think about the nutritional content of cooked, you know, protein and fruits and vegetables versus uncooked. The nutrient density is much higher when it's uncooked and there's not going to be any cooking toxins. Also, um, when you cook anything, um, as everyone knows who barbecues is, you know, your meat starts turning brown to black. It's called the mallard effect. And in that there's cooking toxins. And when you think about a human diet versus a pet's diet, you're feeding your dog, you know, a, or cat, kibble, or canned food every single day, that is cooked food every single time. You think about the traditional human diet, we're not eating cooked foods for every meal. And so dogs and cats compared to humans have a lot more cooking toxins in their diet. And so that's another part of it. And then lastly, it's very minimally processed. You know, raw cat food, there's different ways to make it safe, whether you're doing fermentation or HPP or cold pressure processing, which I'm happy to talk about. But at the end of the day, you know, you're not cooking the nutrients and you're not, you know, changing and uh, manipulating the ingredients so much where, you know, a lot of kibbles are processed highly. Yeah, that's one of the questions I had and that has come up time and time again when we have had interviews with respect to raw food is basically the underlying safety concerns, um, whether it's salmonella uh, or other conditions, not necessarily even those that can harm the pet, but oftentimes mm -hmm. 
the handling of them and the possibility of us who are more vulnerable than your dog at, at, at various bacterial infections, uh, uh, maybe, maybe you could talk a little bit about, uh, where has the industry of raw feeding like been, where is it going? You know, what, what, what yeah. safety factors have, I, I, I imagine this is long knowledge, uh, for many, many years of the concern. So I'm just curious to see what, what the, uh, what, yeah. what's um, happened, what's changed. So, um, in, in general, I think regardless whether it's kibble to raw to whatever, at the end of the day, you need to look at the sourcing of the company and their SGF rating, which is their safety quality of food. And so, you know, responsible sourcing and how safe and how their facilities are and how they measure by a third-party audit. And so I think those are some of the biggest indicators when it comes to looking at companies and their, you know, sourcing and how responsible they're being. And so we are very proud to say at Instinct Pet Foods, we have an excellent rating, which is the highest rated raw company today. But regardless, you know, you need to make sure you're putting out safe food for our pets and, and for our pet parents to handle. And so the process that our company chooses to do for the kill step of kind of that bad bacteria you're speaking on, like the salmonella and E. coli, it goes through the process of cold pressure processing or high pressure processing, which I'll explain in the detail. But this process was not created for pet food. It's actually been around for many years and is done on many human foods that we eat on a day-to-day basis that are found at a grocery store and purchased. Mitch? Some of these would be... Hey, Mitch. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it sounds like you're going to have like a super explanation as to why this is, but we're going to have to take that explanation on the other side of the half hour. Yeah, okay. we, we need to take a break. But when we come back, uh, we'll continue the conversation about raw foods and some of the benefits for some of these animals. We're talking with Mitch Cheska, who is with Instinct Pet Foods, and we'll continue right after the break on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320. W-I-L-S. Sally Babbitt, founder and president of Babbitt Legal Group, is a pet mom and has over 20 years of experience helping people plan for death and incapacity. Let her help you plan for your pets. So when most people think about planning for death or incapacity, they think of preparing a will or a trust that directs the distribution of their assets to their loved ones upon their death. But two other important functions of a will or a trust can include providing for the future of your pets if you pass away or become incapacitated and also making a gift to your favorite charities, including local humane societies, pet rescue organizations, and national or worldwide animal welfare organizations. How do I get started? You can contact us at 517-507-3306. The first way to begin is to schedule an appointment and come in and talk to a qualified estate planning attorney who actually has knowledge in the area of planning for pets. To learn more, visit sallybabbittlaw.com. SallyBabbittLaw.com If you can't find what your pet needs on planet Earth, have you considered finding a new planet? Of all nearby curios, there is one world where pets reign supreme. A planet where bright blue aquariums stretch as far as the eye can see. Where fresh and saltwater fish of all colors dance before happy customers. A planet where tarantulas and toads dart just out of sight, peeking up from the undergrowth at smiling visitors. A planet where birds from half a world away 
away, seeing day and night, calling out to curious shoppers. A planet where turtles plod along during daily treks to the watering hole. A planet with pet supplies aplenty, enough to care for any kind of pet in any home, with friendly employees to help you find just what you need. A planet made exclusively for your pets. Welcome to Planet Bruce. Don't just get a pet, get a Bruce pet. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about raw foods. And our guest this morning is Mitch Cheska, who is with Instinct Pet Foods, which used to be known as Nature's Variety. And he is the territory sales manager. And Mitch, before the break, you were explaining to us about kind of some of the safety issues related to what your company does in order to keep raw food safe, because as Rick brought up, and it's an appropriate point. Anytime you mention raw food for your pets to someone, the first question out of their mouth or the first word usually is salmonella. And there's definitely concerns people have. We'll let you alleviate them. Yes, as we were talking about before break, I was just going to touch on cold pressure processing or high pressure processing, which is actually the kill step on our pet food to ensure that there's no bad bacteria that could hurt whether the dog or cat feeding or the human handling that. And, and that being said, it is always important, whether you're handling my company's raw or another company's raw, to really wash your hands and the bowl of the pet food uh, that you're feeding out of. So keep that in mind. But ultimately, what Instinct Pet Foods does as a kill step is something that's been done on human food for quite some time. And that uh, what the foods that are done, HPP'd in the grocery store that you might see would be things such as cold-pressed juices, sealed guacamoles and salsas and and to the point to make you kind of realize what that looks like is anyone who's handled you know guacamole or or avocados you'll notice you leave that out for an hour or two that will definitely brown and start to oxidize if so i just want you to think about that guacamole that would be sealed inside the grocery store that is able to stay green and looking fresh for weeks if not months in that refrigerator it goes through the exact same process as our pet food and that process like i said is high-pressure processing or cold-pressure processing. And so all it is is pressure being extradited on that food. So when I say pressure, it's the same pressure that you feel if you go underwater and you feel that in your ears or you're on an airplane, but the pressure is much higher. And so if you can imagine our fresh meat grinds go into this uh, tube and it just gets a lot of pressure and it actually kills the bad bacteria without cooking the food at all. Mm-hmm. And so... That is our, our kill step on our uh, food to ensure that no bad bacteria is on the product. But we also do quite a bit of pathogen testing, and we actually also do a pre-probiotic shield on our chicken just because that is kind of uh, known to have the most issues when it comes to handling any meat. Now, one thing that uh, the study that you referred to from Helsinki um, mm-hmm. uh, brought up, and I think it's an important topic, I think it's something that uh, changes the perspective of raw food, and that is by using it by percentages. I would have to say that from past experience, some of the like giant obstacles that were within the minds of individuals at using raw is like, you know, bottom line, I can't afford to feed my dog only raw. It'll make me go broke uh, because raw food, from from what we've 
gathered or what, what you see on the sticker is going to be a more expensive per pound. So the idea that it could be mixed with maybe even a dry food and still retain much of the benefits. I mean, you were saying that was a 20% uh, mix, uh, 80% something else, and yet you saw benefits. Uh, share with people how they should think about the sliding scale of both the economic capacity they may have and the potential health benefits that the dog might or cat might receive when when moving over to either part or all raw. Great question. I, I do appreciate that. And I want to clarify just for all the listeners out there, the studies done by Helsinki isn't just done on instinct raw. It's raw in general. And sure. So that would cover the, the raw category. So I did want to clarify that. Absolutely. But when you, when you look at price and everything, Absolutely. Raw is going to be a little bit more of a premium, but you got to think about what you're buying. You know, a lot of those kibbles out there, if you actually read the ingredient panel, you know, it might say chicken and rice and X amount of protein coming from the animal source. But the way you read a pet food bag, the, the higher the ingredient is on that panel, so the quicker it shows up in that ingredient panel, that's the more of that ingredient being used. And so I challenge anyone who's interested in reading raw whether it's Instinct or another raw brand, when you start reading those traditional kibble bags versus a raw bag, you're going to read a lot more healthy and beneficial ingredients and understand and know what those ingredients are at the top. And so just know you're buying healthier, better, you know, product overall. And so when you go to the grocery store and buy a lot of corn and produce, you're probably going to spend a little bit less if you're buying, you know, chicken and steak. And ultimately, it's because the cost of the goods to create the product is going to be higher. So just keep in mind, you are buying something a little more premium compared to a kibble. But at the end of the day, you're totally right. It's not a all raw or no raw. Any raw in the animal's diet is better. And, and if you could imagine, think about your animal and how they eat. They might be eating the same kibble every single day and getting the nutrients from just that. And you might, you know, supplement. You might mix. You could add cans or freeze-dried or maybe some bones, but just think about your animal and how they lived before they were domesticated. They were eating very natural, uncooked, you know, meats and stuff. And if you can get a little bit of that in their diet, it's going to benefit them. And mm -hmm. instead of maybe buying a, a cheaper peanut butter bone or milk bone at the store for five bucks, consider buying, you know, maybe a raw bag that lasts several weeks and they get that, you know, as a special treat once a week or every other day or whatever you can afford to do, but you're adding, you know, nutritional benefit to their diet. And it's a great way of preventative medicine at the end of the day. When, so when somebody's think thinking about, think well, when somebody's thinking right. about feeding this diet, and I don't mean, I just don't, don't want to run out of time here. Uh, what would they see if they opened up one of your bags and they're feeding raw? How familiar or unfamiliar is that product going to be? And how do they use it? Do they have to thought do they feed it frozen uh what's the procedure in feeding um raw food that's a great question so our, our pet food itself comes in bites which is actually going to look similar to a kibble it's going to be a similar size and then we have patties as well which is an eight ounce and so that being said there's the two forms like i said bites and patties and the bites like i said they're about kibble size and so that will actually defrost relatively quickly i would say about 15 minutes and it's thawed out and ready to feed to the animal. Okay. I recommend defrosting it. And as for the patties, they're a little bit bigger. It looks like almost like a hamburger patty. And if you think about feeding your animal, you know, just like if you were going to cook burgers tonight, you'd probably take them out of your freezer this morning. 
same thing with my dog. If I was going to feed him a patty tonight, I would take it out of the freezer this morning, put it in a piece of Tupperware, place it in my fridge, and after about six hours, it'll be defrosted. And that can stay defrosted in your refrigerator. I wouldn't do it for more than 48 hours in there, but it's not like you have to use it right then and there. So you could do a couple at once, so however you see fit, but great question. Mitch, I have a question regarding the looks of the food because I've noticed that whenever food that I eat is on a plate and I eat it, my dog wants it right away. But if I put his food in a bowl looking like kibble, he'll leave it sit there for a while and maybe he'll go up and eat it a little bit at a time. But boy, if it's something that he thinks I'm going to eat, then he wants it right now. Do you think that there's some degree of recognition for it that it doesn't look like kibble and that's why animals like it better? Is there something to that? I think there definitely could be something to it. And it and it might be, you know, some of the smells that are coming off the plate to what's actually in his kibble. Like I said, you know, he could be having a highly processed diet that he's not really craving or meant to eat where, you know, maybe you have a piece of meat or some fresh fruits and vegetables, whatever it may right. be, just something different. You know, you think about your dog or cat, they're eating kind of one or, one or two maybe kibbles, depending if you're rotating feeding or not every single day for every single meal. I mean, I can't eat the same meal probably three days in a row. And so, like I said, I, I'm a huge fan of rotating proteins to give your dog and cat different options, whether it's within my brand or not. Very important. And also they're going to get nutrients from different protein sources, which is fantastic as well. Yeah. I was just thinking, um, my thought on that would be, uh, eventually and maybe initially, but eventually I would think, a dog's ability to sense a raw food and the smell and the flavor of that in and of itself has to be probably one of the more um, alluring parts of yeah, it. Yeah, they can't give up on that. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, we're talking this morning with Mitch Seska, who is with Instant Pet, uh, excuse me, Instinct Pet Foods. And Mitch, we need to take one more break. But when we come back, uh, we want to talk about if you had some recommendations for people on how to get started on a raw diet, how they would do that. And we'll have that conversation right after the break on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. If you can't find what your pet needs on planet Earth, have you considered finding a new planet? Of all nearby curios, there is one world where pets reign supreme. A planet where bright blue aquariums stretch as far as the eye can see. Where fresh and saltwater fish of all colors dance before happy customers. A planet where tarantulas and toads dart just out of sight, peeking up from the undergrowth at smiling visitors. A planet where birds from half a world Away, sing day and night, calling out to curious shoppers. A planet where turtles plod along during daily treks to the watering hole. A planet with pet supplies aplenty, enough to care for any kind of pet in any home, with friendly employees to help you find just what you need. A planet made exclusively for your pets. Welcome to Planet Bruce. Don't just get a pet, get a Bruce pet. 
We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about raw foods. And we have with us a gentleman who works for Instinct Pet Foods, which is one of the top raw companies out there. And Mitch, uh, to continue our conversation, we've talked a little bit about raw foods and some of the differences. But my question is, let's assume for a second that you have successfully compelled someone to try raw foods. The question I have is how would they go about implementing the shift in the dog's eating habit or the cat's eating habit from the food that they've been eating to a raw food diet? Because veterinarians will always tell you that you don't want to make the change too quickly because it will upset their uh, GI and, and their stomach. So explain to us how is that best done? That is a fantastic question. And, and transitioning an animal, to your point, is very, very important to not upset their stomach and not overwhelm the animal. And so I would say dogs and cats are going to be about different, but the ratios of actually their food should be about the same. And so when I mean ratios, when you're introducing an animal, whether it's a dog or cat, to the raw category for the first time, you want to feed them whatever you've been feeding them in the past, and that will be about 80% of that first bowl of pet food. So I would do about a 20% of the new diet and 80% of the old diet. And that would even be if someone is going from one kibble brand to another or introducing raw for the first time, it's important to transition the animal to that new diet. And so do about 20% of that new diet for the first one to three days. And then you can slowly increase that to about 30 to 40% for the next couple of days. And by that first week, you should be about 50% of the new diet and 50% of the old diet and then slowly increase it more. And then by the end of about two weeks, you should be able to feed 100% of that new diet. And so that would be my recommendation. But from feeding many animals myself the raw diet, I would suggest this and just be prepared for this. A dog is a lot less picky when it comes to food than cats. If you have a cat that, you know, is six, seven years old that has been eating the same pate or the same dry food, Cats are just way more temperature-sensitive and texture-sensitive. And so when you give that cat a new food and maybe it's a little cold because it just got defrosted and they're used to warm food, it will maybe take them a little bit to try out that new food. You'll set down that new food in front of them. They might look at you like you're crazy. But like I said, cats might take a little bit longer to really try that product. But trust me, they'll get hungry enough and, and give it a go. And so just be aware, cats are much harder to transition and are pickier, but don't just give up after trying it once or twice. Um, I've had many people tell me their cats don't like raw, they haven't, but really they haven't given them a, a good trial at it. Like I said, dogs, um, they're just not as picky when it comes to things like temperature sensitivity or textures, and so they're much easier to transition. But like I said, start with that 20% or so. When you work with uh, kittens um, and... Mm -hmm. They they they're experienced with it at an early at an early age. Does that make any substantial contribution to the ease of settling in on raw food? Absolutely. Um, a younger kitten would be much much easier to transition, and I highly recommend any new cat owners out there to feed you know a few different options to your cat or kitten to get it used to eating different things. Um, but yes, to your point, a hundred percent yes, the younger cat would be much easier. 
because they're just not quite set in stone in their ways. Let's say you've done everything you can to take a one-year or older cat uh, to that transition point of getting them onto raw food and they just won't. Is there a certain percentage of of cats that, that really won't cross that barrier? I'd be hard for me to scope that um, to myself. Um, I, I have, like I said, seen many friends transition animals to, to feeding raw that would be cats and felines, but that's just kind of from my own experience. Um, I couldn't speak to the percentages itself, but I would say this. Um, you know, give that cat one or two days to adjust. It might go, you know, five, six hours without eating when it normally eats. Yeah. When it gets hungry enough, it'll give it a go. And once it gives it a go, it'll understand why you gave them this different food and they will thank you for it with with some kind of show i guarantee and okay and when it comes to dogs I, I highly suggest my favorite thing to do when i'm feeding a new dog raw is get that kibble that they've been eating and put it down in one bowl next to you and get that raw and like i said just 20 percent of what you'd give them and another bowl next to you and see what that dog and that reaction is <laughs> it's amazing really what they do it's yeah. like like hey you finally gave me what i've been waiting for yeah huh? that that one's a predictable outcome yeah <laughs> those dogs we can relate yes yeah. now i i, uh, I Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, okay. Now, I was going to ask you the question. One of the reasons why a lot of people I know of have switched to raw has come from dealing with allergies. And they get very frustrated. Their animals are having allergic reactions. They go to the veterinarian. They get a pharmaceutical solution. It doesn't seem to work. And they don't know what to do. And then someone suggests, have you ever tried raw foods? Is that your experience as well? And what is the cause of that working better? Is it what you've described earlier? Or is there something more to it? You know, that's a great question, and I, and I think it is twofold. Um, you know, a lot of the times what happens with dogs and cats is the first thing that becomes a problem or might be an allergen I hear all the time is chicken. And not every chicken is equal. And what I mean by that is got to think about what that chicken is fed, if there's been hormones introduced to that chicken, and so many other things that go on through that chicken's life that could lead to showing some kind of allergen to that animal. I've seen many a time where, you know, they're, they're feeding a chicken and rice bag of kibble, but really it's chicken meal. It's not even chicken in that recipe. And so when you're feeding an animal, a cage free, you know, well-fed chicken, that's not hormone. Sometimes all of a sudden that chicken allergy has gone away. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, you know, before you just make the scapegoat chicken, you got to consider the sourcing on everything. And I'm not saying to anyone out there who has an allergy, for chicken for the animal, go buy some raw and feed them chicken and see if they're still allergic. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of the times allergens are caused by other things that are done to that animal or something else. Maybe it's what that animal is eating and is passed on to your animal through that meat. And so there's a lot of factors into it. But ultimately, when you go from a raw diet to a conventional kibble diet or vice versa, like I said, they, they might be allergic to some of the fillers or some of the grains or some of the processes that that food goes through. Maybe they're allergic to a byproduct or a meal opposed to the actual protein itself. And so there's a lot of cases that I've seen, like you said, where someone tries raw and all of a sudden 
that protein that the vet thought they were allergic to is no longer the issue. Okay, so they show up at the freezer for the first time, and they're thinking about getting frozen. What mm-hmm. what kind of proteins would they be looking at, and what should they think about as far as which of those proteins they should grab first of all and uh, and throw down in the dish for the first time, even if it's only at first 20% of the diet? I would say I've had very little issues with animals feeding lamb or rabbit in general. And so lamb and rabbit are great protein sources. You don't hear them as many allergens. That being said, most dogs and cats are going to be able to feed chicken and beef. But if your dog is having a lot of health issues and you're concerned, for most feeders, I would say rabbit and lamb would be a great starting point. And this is why. Um, Beef can actually lead to yeast infections or ear infections if your dog is prone to those. So the dogs and cats out there that aren't, don't worry about it, but that is one thing. And then there definitely are quite a bit of chicken allergies out there in general. And so if your dog is someone that, or cat has a lot of allergies, I would avoid those two. Um, so lamb and um, rabbit would be my recommendations. Mitch, we're about out of time, but if any of the listeners are interested in taking a look at uh, the different things that your company has available or some of the research that has gone on behind some of the products, uh, where should they go? Great question. I would highly encourage anyone to check out instinctpetfood.com and check out our Science of Law page. It is a whole landing site of all the raw research and information available today about not only instinct, but some of the raw knowledge out there. Or check out the University of Helsinki and what they're doing as well. Um, you will find a link directly on uh, our webpage, the one I talked about, the Warn About Instinct and Science of Raw page. Fantastic. Mitch, we want to thank you so much for being with us on the show. We really appreciate the information you provided. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I hope you both have a terrific weekend. Thank you. And Rick, I'm sorry to say we are out of time, but it was good having you back, and I'm I'm glad that we got to cover this. So on behalf of our producer, Grant Lefebvre and Rick Proust, my co-host in the studio, this is Lee Cohen, wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. We'll talk next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, will you all please, please take good care of your pets. Have a great week.